coming back to Shutter Weekly, episode three for the week of July 8th, 2019. My name is Nick Friend. Thanks for being with me, and let's jump right in. This week we have news from a few brands. It was a little bit of a slow week. Uh, namely, the big one is Sigma. Sigma is going to be dropping a few different versions of their E-mount lenses. They're dropping a 35mm f1.2, 45 f2.8 pancake lens, a 24-70 f2.8 to come a little bit later in the year, and a 12-24 f2.8. All these should be happening this week, and all of those are for E-mount. Very exciting for all you Sony people out there. Nikon apparently is working on a sub $1,000 camera in that's currently in the works right now that's supposed to compete with the EOS RP from Canon, and I am not at all surprised by that. Canon has uh, made some pretty good moves with their R line of cameras. As we know, they're coming out with a 1DX Mark III as well as a 1DX Mark II equivalent in the mirrorless form factor. So not surprised that Nikon is following suit. Canon is also getting ready to release their G7X Mark III, which if you don't know about their G line of cameras, they're basically really small, user-friendly, pocketable um, point-and-shoot cameras. Uh, They are a little bit better than the ones you would find in Walmart or Best Buy because they have a one-inch sensor. So you do get a considerable depth of field Uh, considering the size of the actual camera. So these cameras are actually great, and they're incredibly popular among YouTubers and uh, mobile content creators uh, because just because of the quality of image you can get from these cameras and their portability and uh, overall use. The G7X Mark III is looking to be rocking a 20-megapixel one-inch sensor. It's even going to have RAW files that can be shot up to 30 frames a second. That's actually better than the Sony RX100 Mark VI, which is the darling of the YouTube world. We're also looking at 4K video and full HD video up to 120 frames a second. The big thing about this one, though, is it's actually going to have a 3.5mm microphone input. So you can plug in a microphone, which lets me know that these guys, Canon, obviously, uh, taking video seriously for these small form factor cameras. They are, I think they are responding for the time. They understand that video is becoming more and more of a ubiquitous feature that needs to be in pretty much everything because that's just the way the world is going right now. So I'm excited to see this uh, camera in action. I think it's going to be great, especially for travel. I think this is going to be a go-to camera for anybody that has travel as a main part of their life. Uh, So I'm actually really excited to see some travel content based around this camera. Zhiyun or Zhuyun, however you want to say it, it, um, announced their top player video challenge um, which is actually an $18,000 prize that they're running through August 31st, which is if you are a current Zion owner or you or you rent any Zion product, um, specifically their Crane 2, they are launching a contest. There's a little bit, I don't know the exact details about it, but uh, all, of the, all of that information is going to be shown us below. They are launching a content where if you use their Vortex or Breathing function inside of their Zion Crane 2, which is that... A lot of people call it like the the matrix effect or the inception effect where the camera rotates infinitely in a 360 degree fashion. Uh, Basically, you use that feature and you make a good film and you win based on user uh, votes. You can win up to 18 grand and the competition goes until August 31st. So check the show notes below. See if you can find out some more information about that. And if you submit, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Leica uh, is apparently announcing a new camera called the Velux 5 because a bunch of images from that camera actually just got leaked on the Internet. I don't have any information about the actual stats of the camera, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was remarkably similar to the P50 
Panasonic G7 because it looks exactly like that. I'm pretty sure that it's just Panasonic G7 in a fancy jacket, which I'm not surprised considering the pairing of Panasonic and Leica of late. They have been creating some great micro four thirds lenses for micro four thirds cameras by Panasonic. So I'm, I'm really not surprised about this pairing. I, honestly, I think it's a good idea for those of you that really want that red dot on your camera. Gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're gonna talk about camera sensors today. This episode is brought to you by Artlist. If you're looking for music for your videos, Artlist is the place to be. They have a single license, one-stop shop method of providing high quality music for all of your video needs. It doesn't matter if you're making a commercial for a client, working on a YouTube video, working on family videos, or you're working on a big budget feature film, Artlist has you covered. Go to artlist.com and check out all of the amazing music that you can use in your own video content. Once again, that's artlist.com. Links are in the show notes below. Okay, today we are talking about camera sensors. Now, um, these are not this is not the sexiest subject, I know that, but I still think it's really interesting considering a couple of announcements that I saw happen earlier this week. Now, first of all, almost all of the sensors that you have in your big cameras, that's anything from APS-C style all the way up to, to full frame and even medium format, um, they're almost all Sony sensors, even in Nikon and Canon cameras, almost all of those cameras utilize a Sony sensor inside of the camera body. And uh, that started to happen in 2013 when Sony actually actually acquired a Renosis factory um, in Japan. And they kind of cornered the market and to this day own 21% of the market of camera sensors. So uh, they started providing all these sensors to all the major players all around the world, but the but the the render engines and the CPUs and the image processors in these cameras were still proprietary, which is why not all the images look exactly the same. Thank God for that. There's been two major announcements inside of the sensor world: one from a company called Tower Jazz, and another from a company called Isocell. I'm going to talk about Tower Jazz first. Tower Jazz is uh, a company that makes a bunch of different types types of sensors. They're actually a silicone manufacturer, but they will make sensors for you as well, not just the silicone to go on your sensor. So they make sensors and they primarily deal in high-end photo and cinematography as well as industrial applications. And by that, I mean medical and science-based um, applications. But regarding uh, cinematography and photography, uh, they pretty much exclusively make sensors for high-end stuff. So they, ha they got an official deal with Panasonic to manufacture sensors for Panasonic cameras, which I'm not surprised by because of the recent announcement of the Panasonic S1H, which is a 6K capable DSLR style full frame camera that is uh, currently taking pre-orders, if I'm not mistaken. You're gonna have to check on that. Anyway, they came out with um, this deal with Panasonic and I don't really have any details about their promises about what they can do, but they are saying that they are um, excited about the prospect of having 8K capabilities. Let's think about that. 8K capabilities inside of a camera that's basically the same size as the one that's probably in your hand right now. That's pretty exciting to me. Um, I think that that benefit is going to be huge in the next few years. Um, they're also, uh, the, but one of the reasons I'm really excited about this is because it 
it really opens up the possibilities for autofocus innovation and innovation regarding sensor specs and innovation regarding HDR and high frame rate recording. Uh, we're not just going to be relegated to the 120s and the you know ISO 25,000s and 13 stops of range. We might be getting more ambitious, like 15 stops. We can even get 240, even 320 frames a second from these sensors. The cool thing is because we don't know anything about this camera or the sensor company yet or what their sensors can really do when put into a full application, we can kind of expect them to be responsive and aggressive to the current landscape because what they will want to do if they want to be successful is really try to disrupt the market. So they really have to come swinging for the fences, I think, if they want to compete with the likes of Sony. Now, the second one is uh, by a company called Isocell, and this is what's really exciting to me because, as you know, I love cell phone photography and cell phone cinematography. I do think it's the way of the future. I think everything is going to be going towards that form factor. I'm certainly excited about that. I'm actually leaning into it. But Isocell recently created a joint venture between Fujifilm and Samsung. Isocell uh, sensors are made by Samsung. And so this recent joint venture between Samsung and Fujifilm is really exciting. But before we get into the Fujifilm thing, I want to talk about Isocell itself. Basically, it's been operating almost exclusively as cell phone uh, sensors. Uh, so tiny, tiny little sensors. And they uh, typically use uh, front side illuminated technology in their sensors, uh, which is a very conventional way to develop a sensor. Recently, they started using backside illuminated construction, which is known as BSI. And the reason you would use this rather than front side illumination is that it allows for you to increase the amount of light that's actually hitting the photodiode on each pixel that lives on top of your sensor. There's four layers inside of a sensor and they are the micro lens, which is actually what directs the light to the sensor. Then you have the color filter. Then you have the metal line, which is like this metal grid that kind of holds everything all together. Then you have the photodiode. So with backside illumination, that metal line is actually behind the photodiode. So now the order goes lens, filter, diode, and then the metal line. So the problem with doing backside illumination is that there's a phenomenon called crosstalk, which is basically light pollution from one photodiode to another. Essentially two pixels that are right next to each other, they're recording a little bit of the same information. So what Isocell does, hence the name Isocell, it uses a little metal grid that puts a tiny barrier between each pixel and that cuts away at the crosstalk by about 30%. And, and this increases sharpness, dynamic range, color fidelity. It's just overall really good for the image quality. So Isocell Plus is the new thing. This is the new thing that I wanted to talk about. Isocell Plus is where Fujifilm steps in. So Fuji comes in and submits the plus part of this whole thing. And it's basically this quote unquote new material. I don't know what the material is. I couldn't find out exactly what the material is. It's not metal, but it's something else um, that replaces that metal grid. It replaces the isolating part of the Isocell technology. And it minimizes crosstalk even more, and it actually increases the light reflection inside of the pixel, which after that happens, it creates 15% more light sensitivity, which means you're actually recording more uh, light onto the actual sensor, which means that you can have a smaller sensor and smaller pixels with no appreciable loss in image quality, which if you keep the same form factor, you can actually have a higher resolution 
image. This technology actually launched back in 2018 of this month. So July of 2018 is when they started doing this. So this technology actually already exists. And uh, Samsung is also about to release the Note 10, which I'm sure, I'm sure because of the ISOCELL Plus technology and Fujifilm's involvement, we are going to have some seriously wonderful image results. My speculation is that this tech, this technology is probably also going to find itself inside of the Sony a7S 3 or at least I hope it will. I sincerely hope that Sony can find a way to use ISOCELL Plus technology inside of their sensors, even if it means licensing it from Fuji to use on Sony sensors. If not, I think Sony is looking at some seriously fierce competition because ISOCELL Plus certainly has the technical know-how to, to make a high-quality sensor. Uh, I think they just need to scale it up and put it into a large form factor camera. Let me know what you think about Fuji and Samsung getting together to make some awesome cell phone content. Let me know what you think about Tower Jazz and their partnership with Panasonic. And um, if you like this podcast, please go ahead and share it with all your fellow camera nerds. I would love to continue the conversation. You can find us everywhere that you love to listen to podcasts. You can listen to us on Overcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Spotify and anywhere else that you like to listen to your podcasts. Go check out the show notes below. Check out our sponsor. Check out all of the information below. And I will see you next week.